Martin Erat guided it back. Grebeshkov has it knocked away. And Boland watches as Sopel gains the zone. Here's Sopel twirling around behind with it for the Blackhawks. Galloping off the last bit of time. They've killed off the penalty. Boland back. Sopel a drive. Stepped in front. Scott! It is April 12, 2011, one day before the start of the 2011 NHL playoffs. This is the Sportscasters. My name is Steve Bennett, joined today by my partner Don Russ and a very special NHL playoff guest, my younger brother Greg. Greg, how's it going today, buddy? It's going great. Thanks for having me. We have had younger brother Anthony on, so only fair to have younger brother Greg. And uh, Greg is here after a day of hard work um, in making braces and dentures and teeth. all kinds of <laughs> teeth related business uh he spends his days on that but he's going to join us for three things today as he's all pumped about the nhl playoffs as we are here special show tonight we have john butchergrass from espn sports center donnie i know you got to be excited about this i'm very excited i wasn't didn't have a chance to scheduling conflicts i couldn't make it for the first interview and uh he's always been a favorite of mine so i'm pretty pumped so john butchergrass is going to join us also uh, we had a request on our message board to uh, just talk about stadiums a little bit. And uh, locally, there's a guy named Pete Farrell from Buffalo, New York, who him and his buddy Andy have been on a very long, that's the sportsroadtrip.com. And uh, we caught Peter just after he finished a big bottle of Joe Cola. And uh, you'll hear the interview later uh, that we recorded. Um, one of the uh, more, you know, just I want to say excitable guests that we've had. So... We have that to look forward to later as well. We're also going to update the book club today, and we'll have pick four at the end of the show. But right now, let's do three things. Let's play a game. All right. Count of three. One. All righty. I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. Three. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback. (laughs) This is the funnest night ever. All right, I will kick it off. We mentioned that the NHL playoffs are starting, and they are going to start with the New York Rangers just slipping in as the eighth seed. But also, next week, the NBA playoffs will start, and the New York Knicks are going to be in, and that is significant because for the first time since 1997, Madison Square Garden will host the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs in the same year. I thought that's pretty cool because the Rangers are going to play the Capitals, and the Knicks looks like will probably play the Boston Celtics, in which would be a very very cool first round matchup. So th- I thought it was worth noting. Uh, it's it's always great when the greatest sports arena is hosting the NHL playoffs and the NBA playoffs. It makes for a great spring in New York. It makes for great episodes of Mike and the Mad Dog. Now just <laughs> Mike. Um, so exciting time to be in New York. My first of three things is also, uh, actually all of mine are hockey-based, but uh, Dallas, Carolina, and Chicago 
I guess it doesn't. A lot of times they say sports comes down to who wants it more, but that sure wasn't the case this last <laughs> week in hockey. Dallas, Carolina, and Chicago all faced a win and in scenario and they all lost. <laughs> Yeah, and against teams that really weren't fighting for anything. Tampa Bay, I guess you could argue, was just playing to eliminate Carolina, but mm-hmm. uh, th- that's embarrassing, guys. Do better than you got to do better. You know what was especially embarrassing about the Carolina game is it was over before it started. And it, it was, was at home. Four, four nothing, yeah, almost immediately. In front of the home stand. I mean, as well as they played down the stretch, then to lay an egg like that. Yeah. I mean, for Dallas to lose a game in Minnesota, okay, kind of forgivable. Right. Um, although they just fired their coach. Uh, and then, and they knew Chicago had lost the day before. And Chicago lost to Detroit, which is, is difficult. It right. was a great game, but yeah, brutal. Bad job. Yeah, that messed up my. Uh, Dallas screwed up my bold prediction for the week that Chicago would miss the playoffs. But yeah, uh, yeah, you got to do better than that. Okay, so my first thing, Daniel Carcillo. <laughs> How much do you guys just hate this guy? Not cool, douchebag. So. I believe the score is th- three to two Philadelphia. Yep, he pats Nathan Gerby on the head. He did. Why do you do that? One and You're two. That's gonna come back and bite you. And guess what? It did. It did. Oh yeah, almost By immediately. Probably the best goal I've seen this entire season. One of the best goals of the season. Yeah. If you don't know what he's talking about, the Sabers and the Flyers battled on Friday night. It was the Sabers' last home game of the season. I actually wrote a blog about it. Uh, the sportscasters.blogspot.com. There was over 80 former Sabres alumni. There was a huge buzz in the building that night. And <laughs> and as Greg said, Carcillo was kind of mocking Gerby and yeah. pa- patting him on the head. And saying, kind of shoot right, him away. All right, yeah, little yeah. guy, you know. And, and Gerby, who had already scored in the game, came out on the next shift and, and scored just an amazing goal. So, yeah, that was it was definitely came back to bite him. I've heard hockey experts say like Carcillo is that he's an agitator type of guy. I've heard people say like he's an idiot. Like he will do just as much harm to your team as he will good and I guess firing up Nathan Gerby wasn't the best move there. Dope. All right, my second thing, the NHL awards. It's always something fun to take a guess at. So here are my picks for the heart, which is the MVP. I will take Daniel Sedin. His brother won it last year. It's time for him to win it this year. Calder for Rookie of the Year. I'm going to pick USA Hockey stud John Carlson, defenseman for the Washington Capitals. He has had a fantastic rookie season. He's got over 30 points. He's a plus player, and he's one of the best defensemen on the number one team in the Eastern Conference. The Norris Trophy. I'm going to pick Big Bad Ugly Zdeno Chara. I think he makes Boston run. He could easily... Uh, be the MVP of the Bruins year in and year out. So I will pick him for the Norris as best defenseman. Vesna is the top goalie. I'll pick Pekka Rene. I think that's how you say it. Yeah, that's right. uh, he's been absolutely fantastic for Nashville. Uh, has helped them get into the playoffs. And coach of the year, I picked Dan Bilesma. He has done an incredible job with the Penguins. Yeah. Without Crosby most of the year. Without Malkin most of the year. And they have over 104 points and uh, are the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Whew, good job. Those are my NHL award picks. You guys want to throw, throw a couple picks out before we move on? Um, I think Corey Perry's got a good shot at the, uh, at the heart. Yep, too. I, I consider him. I, I've heard people say that uh, it's more important to play for a team trying to make it an in. That it's easier to play for a front runner, I guess. I mean, it'd be amazing if the Sedin other twin made it <laughs> right after the, his brother did. 
guess rookie of the year. I do hate the Hurricanes, but I'm gonna have to go with Skinner, Jeff Skinner. I mean, yeah. he's cute little guy. He's like two <laughs> feet tall. He scored 32 goals. It's incredible. He's yeah. a great player. Yeah, it's yeah. a good year for rookies. Um, my second thing, I hammer on NFL experts a lot. I'm going to take a shot at hockey experts this time. If it was my job to watch hockey, I'd be able to give... Don, hold on. It is your job to watch hockey, <laughs> by the way. It's my, uh, my, if it was my full-time paying job to watch hockey, I, I would have more to say about the Sabres than Miller makes them tick, basically. You hear all this it's stuff all about yeah. how hot Miller has been, and nothing could actually be further from the truth. The Sabres may have won last year because of him, uh, they might have won this year despite him at times. He's been probably the worst he's been in his career and hasn't been nearly the Team USA guy or Team USA goalie as he was in the Olympics. He has been better of late, and then he got injured, so we'll have to see what he can give us now. But Miller is definitely not the reason that team works. It's Tyler Myers. It's guys like Ennis and Gerby who Seventh have come on. Seventh in the league in goals. Four. four. Yeah, so, I mean... We're up there in shots, four or two. Yeah, Thomas Vanek has certainly been the MVP of the team this year. Right. I don't know why Thomas Vanek doesn't get more attention in the national media. And anytime I hear a national media say that the Sabres are in the playoffs because of Ryan Miller, I just know that they don't know anything about the Sabres. I know that they haven't seen him play much and that they're just throwing an opinion out because they have to. And they, they're just not as knowledgeable as they should be. It's kind of like during football season when a guy says, yeah... You know, the, the Saints are really good because they have Reggie Bush. What? <laughs> you know, true. it's just not true. And it's the same way with the Sabres and Ryan Miller. Sure, Ryan Miller is a big part of the Sabres, and I'd be disappointed if he wasn't healthy enough to play in the playoffs. Luckily, he is. But if you're going to say that's why we're in the playoffs or that's why we could win in the playoffs. Right, it's not it's even true, not true about why you're in the playoffs. If anything, his backup is the reason you're in the playoffs. Yeah. Enroth came in when Miller went down and really saved the season for these guys. That's a great point. Okay, so my second thing is, I guess our old owner, you know, for the Buffalo Sabres said, no Buffalo Sabres can be on Twitter. Now, this show is a big... We love Twitter. Twitter. Love Twitter. Yeah, there's <laughs> love Twitter, right? So our new owner, who I think is the, the, probably the best thing that's happened to this team in 15 years. Maybe the best thing that's happened too. to the city. Yeah. Yeah. Says, go ahead, go back on Twitter. So just last night, find out that... True staff. Two players have joined, oh, Stafford two. and Butler. Oh, Butler. Yes. Butler did it. Butler did do it. He did oh. join Twitter. Butler was on originally, wasn't he? He was, yes. Okay. They both Those were, two right? players were both on this past summer and then said, no way. You get, you. They both jumped right back into it, though? They're both back on there, and they are great. That's awesome. What is uh, Butler's name? I know it's uh, – what are their names? Do you know? Uh, I believe Stafford is just simply at Drew Stafford. Okay. Um, Chris Butler, if you just give me a second. Right. It's at the Butler did it. <laughs> it, is, it is not at I Butler, think it was like Butler 34 or something like that but that could be wrong too it is at CB Butler 34 yeah. at CB Butler I wonder if his middle name is Billy it's possible Chris Billy Butler possible. it's a good middle it's be a good wrestler name alright my number three thing thanks for nothing Manny Ramirez <laughs> see ya I mean honestly you know we had Jonah Carey on and his book is called The Extra 2%, and that means that the Rays are always trying to do everything 2% better than everyone else because they don't have the money that everyone else does. Well, signing free agents apparently is not one of the things that they do 2% better than anyone else. Not this time, no. Because Manny Ramirez basically spent a week on the team, failed a drug test, was facing a 100-game suspension, 
And Call instead of writing it out, he just took his glove and went home. Thanks for nothing. And you know what? I won't miss Manny Ramirez. I was <laughs> never a big fan of the Manny, Manny being Manny, Manny thing. Yeah. He's an incredible hitter. He's one of the best RBI producers in the history of baseball. But I wonder if he has really hurt his chances as a Hall of Famer here. Not only has he fa- failed the drug test once, but he's failed it twice. He's facing a 100-game suspension, and he didn't even serve it. He left his team high and dry, and he will be a very interesting case to see how the media treats him when it comes to Hall of Fame balloting. The last of my hockey-centric three things for this week is uh, something I'm going to bring up with John Butchergrass later on because you hear it a lot as far as teams like Philadelphia kind of coasting into the playoffs. Like, oh, once they get there, they're going to flip that switch. Or teams like even like the Blackhawks who kind of – in their last 10 games, they were 5-4-1. and one. Uh, Philly was 3-4-3. Three, and three. Compared to the teams they're playing, Buffalo, who was 8-1-1, one and, one, and Vancouver, 7-3. and three. I want to know how, how easy is it to just flip that switch. Like Last year, the Sabres won their division fairly easily and couldn't flip that switch and were eliminated fairly easily by a team that should have been the underdog in the series. And It sure didn't look that way, but I just wonder, when you have a team that coasts into the playoffs – is flip, flipping the switch, is, is it that as easy as the experts make it sound sometimes? I don't think so. I think it's difficult. I would say no as well. Yeah, I think it's a difficult thing to do. Now, there's been teams that have done it. Uh, the 1999 New York Yankees come to mind. Uh, it was a team that kind of didn't look good going into the playoffs and they ended up winning the World Series. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Sometimes it can work. You know what I think is important if you're going to try to flip the switch? Leadership. Right. I think you have to have really good leadership in the locker room if you're going to try to pull something like that off. Yeah, and Philadelphia fans might argue that it wasn't a matter of coasting. It might have been just a matter of Pronger being, Pronger out. being out. But, yeah, uh, you, I think you want to have your team playing its best when it comes down to the end as long as it's – like there's a happy medium with that. Philly was a team last year that had to scratch and claw to make it into the playoffs, and it just seemed like – I mean, they had enough, but just just not quite enough to to win it. So it, there's a fine balance between playing well and playing pressure hockey, but also not being so burnt out by the time you get to the playoffs. Okay, so my third and final thing is the party in the plaza. So I just got this one. I was online today. I saw a tweet about this. There's going to be two screens, not just one screen, That's awesome. but two. They're going to be nine by twelve. Pretty big size. Huge screens. It might be cooler to be outside than inside the game. <laughs> yeah, the Sabres, after, or for every home game, if you know the games are obviously sold out or if you can't afford it, they put out a really nice party in the plaza of the arena. That's why it's called Party in the Plaza. There's usually a band before the game. They have hot dogs and hamburgers. And like Greg says now, two big screens to, to watch it. And, you know, the Party in the Plaza made the Chris Drury goal against the rangers that much cooler yeah i was because if you watch it they go straight they go to it and everyone's going crazy out there and it's it's just a great time it's a really cool thing and i know the penguins actually have started something similar and they they have a hill that's right near their arena and they they put a big screen out near there and it's just it's a great thing to kind of make the postseason atmosphere that much greater in your city it's it's an awesome experience it's i mean if i wasn't in the stadium that night but uh I might as well have been. Obviously not during the game, but the atmosphere afterward felt like I, I was with the crowd. I mean, you you are with the crowd. You're out there with thousands of people that 
like me either couldn't get tickets or couldn't afford it at the time or whatever. I've got tickets to game three of this series. Now, I will be there game four outside in that plaza. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a fun option. You know, a cool thing about that jury goal is it happened really late in the game, and a lot of people are kind of giving up and, walked, and, left, and were yeah. walking outside. So the, the crowd outside when jury scored that goal was huge. Yep. And uh, that was a really fun night. All right, so that's three things for today. Uh, like I said, from here, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with John Butchergrass. Uh, it's going to be a great interview with him. Also, we're going to have a book club update. We have a book to give away. We're going to set that up. Uh, obviously, the book of the month this month is From Bags to Riches by Jeff Duncan. So we're going to set up a giveaway. Also, later in the show, we're going to have an interview with Pete Farrell from the Ultimate Sports Road Trip. And we're going to end the show with pick four. Also this week, baseball bonus show number three. Look for it. It is a Phillies slash National League baseball bonus. We have two fantastic guests on that show. Dan Levy from the On the DL podcast, which is actually ending this week. Uh, and 609 Design is his company. Uh, very, very good media representative of the Philadelphia area is going to join us. We will obviously tease him a little bit about the Sabres and uh, uh, Fire series. <laughs> and also Jeff Passan, uh, guest in interview uh, episode number one, uh, is going to be back to talk about the National League. So the National League show is going to be very good this week, so make sure you check that out as well. Two, two episodes for you. All right, so we will be right back with John Butchergrass. All right, our next guest is a resident of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and is currently an anchor on SportsCenter. He really needs no introduction. It's his second time on the Sportscasters, and we're very proud to welcome John Butchergrass. How are you doing today, John? Fine, thanks. You know, we're really excited to have you on today because we're really excited in general to be at that time <laughs> of the year with the NHL playoffs. We have been on You're excited a, about everything. I can tell. Yeah, we you know we have been on a run here in Buffalo since Terry Pagula came aboard that I can't even yeah, explain to you. What's going on there? That's all I hear is this owner's like Superman. What's oh, he doing? He's incredible. Well, he comes into town, you know, and he says, "Listen, if I want to make money, I'll drill a gas well." He's like, "I'm just here to win a Stanley Cup," and he put he put a twenty thousand dollar carpet in the uh, in the locker room like the second day he was here. Finally, they got a logo in the locker room that they can't step on. Uh, he's totally embraced like the past history of the team. Uh, on fan appreciation night, the last game of the regular season against the Flyers the other day, he foot the bill for 80 former Sabres to come and be a part, come out, wave their hand. Um, he's just totally energized the city. He makes, every, he makes it feel like we can be a player in the Brad Richards sweepstakes this week, uh, this July he does. He makes sure. us feel like the Chris Jury, Danny Briere of July 2007 is never going to happen again, and mm-hmm. he's just got the whole city behind the team and believing again. And it's unbelievable what just a, a change in ownership can do. And I think it's yeah. it's bared out on the ice. They have the most points in the league since Jan or in the Eastern Conference since January 1st, and they're really on a roll going into the playoffs here. And, and we're all very excited about it. And I'm really interested to hear from not being right under it. Uh, how you look at the Sabres going into this playoff series? Well, certainly, uh, you know, they're playing a very, you know, 
difficult team, obviously, the team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals last year and a team that won their division this year and uh, can really score. But, you know, they do have question marks. Uh, they have question marks in net with the goaltender. Certainly if uh, the Flyers were given their choice on their goaltenders and Ryan Miller, if they were allowed to choose <laughs> some strange, bizarre rule change, I think they would obviously take Ryan Miller. And, uh, and you know, they're, with Chris Pronger and his, uh, and his uh, health situation, that's probably a bit of a concern, too. And so, you know, I, I think that this, you know, despite them being a good team, those questions I just talked about, and you mentioned the momentum and the belief and the energy that the fan base has. Maybe the short summer by the Flyers has caught up with them uh, later in the year after their really good start. You know, teams that make it to the finals, one reason why it's tough to get back is, you know, you have a short summer. Teams that don't make the playoffs have two extra months to rest and re-energize. So, you know, with all those factors in mind, that's why I, I, I took the Sabres uh, to win the series in my, uh, on my uh ESPN.com video blog today. And, um, you know, certainly it's a tough series. It could go either way, like every series. But, you know, what you talked about, that energy, and maybe the fact that the Flyers lack a little bit of energy, I took the, with that energy plus Ryan Miller, I took the Sabres to win the series. Yeah, maybe we should back up one step. What made you decide to go from the longer form column to the video blogs? I, I, I rather enjoy the video blogs. I, I like the column, so I guess I could take it either way. But what was, uh, what was the decision to make that switch? Yeah, that was ESPN's, you know, that was their decision. So um, um, they're the boss. I'm the employer. So yeah, I'm hoping maybe someday the column can return again. It's it's, uh, it's fun to write, and that can be, I feel like it can be a little more creative. And, and uh, you know, the, the blog is, right, we're, we're really going to shoot for two, two and a half minutes. I guess that's really the really the attention span most people have when they're looking at videos. So that doesn't give me very many words to write. You know, that's about 500 words probably to write. My column would be anywhere with my mailbag would be anywhere from about 3,000 words. So that shows you the difference in uh, the volume of stuff and information and, and observation and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll try to make this the best we can, and maybe, maybe next year we can do both. Maybe I could do a video blog and then maybe do an email bag like the old days and, and stuff like that. So we'll see. Yeah, I got to thank you because uh, your email bag was directly responsible for my first dance song at my wedding. <laughs> yes. And folds. Absolutely. <laughs> I played it once Perfect. for my girlfriend. She teared up, and that was that, and that uh, was our wedding song. They are the luckiest. <laughs> All right, I am a- E-Harmony. That's right. <laughs> I'm Mr. E-Harmony. Let's, uh, let's go through some of the series here. The Capitals and the Rangers are kind of interesting because – Lake Ryan Miller is better than whatever Philly has. Obviously, Henry, Henry Lundqvist is better than whatever the Capitals have. And Drury is back. Unfortunately, Callahan is gone. Uh, but the Capitals score a lot of goals, or don't score a lot of goals, and that could favor right. the Rangers. What, what do you think about the Rangers and Capitals? Yeah, I mean, the Rangers have to be comfortable with this matchup. They dominated the Capitals uh, during the regular season. Um, you mentioned, you know, the Capitals just don't score goals anymore. They really try to concentrate on defense and, and realize that come playoff time, maybe their style didn't work. And uh, But that being said, even just not, also not just their style, but they just don't have a lot of scoring depth, you know, after that first line. Um, and then Backstrom was hurt for a while, and, and looks like Cole, it looks like maybe Ovechkin was maybe pacing himself a bit because um, he's, he's come on late, and maybe he, that was the plan, to kind of save it and then really explode in the playoffs. Although he's always been good in the playoffs. He has great playoff numbers. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a very tight series. Certainly can go either way. Um, you know, using the logic I did on the 
Capitals or on the Sabres series, I probably should have taken the Rangers because, again, Lundqvist is certainly the more reliable goalie. But there's something about the Capitals. I think they're very desperate. Um, you know, they, they, they're pretty sturdy and tough, and, and I think those Penguin games earlier in the year were kind of playoff games for them, and they responded kind of well. So I think they're confident uh, with their new style and with some of the wars they've been through. I, I think they're, they're confident going into this playoff series, despite their recent poor history. And just, you know, a little more scoring depth maybe and a little more Ovechkin and, and uh, that they're able to get it done. But certainly, like, any, every single series, as we know in hockey, can really go either way. But those are the reasons they took the Capitals, just that hunger and this quest for a cup, and it's been on their mind, and they've really tried to add to their team. They have some good depth in the back end now on defense, so I'll take the Capitals by a little bit there. Backtracking just a little bit, speaking of the Rangers, they made it in because of what Carolina couldn't do. Um, how shocked were you that Dallas, Carolina, and Chicago all faced a win-and-you're-in scenario and all lost? And I mean, in Carolina's case, they were embarrassed. <laughs> I know, especially Carolina being at home. Uh, that was very surprising. But, of course, Tampa is good, and, and that shows you. And, but, yeah, again, when, when you're talking about teams 8th and ninth or 10th, um, you know, there's a reason why they're there. Yeah, they're flawed it's teams. Because they're, they're not consistent, and they're flawed, and they're about 500. And so, you know, there really is a coin toss every time they play. So I think um, it, 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 can, it can happen. But, yeah, it's still surprising. You would expect a team who's a lot to play for would win that game, especially on home ice. Yeah, yeah, they were never even in it. No, it was over before it started. No. It was 4 nothing the first time I looked up. It's like, oh. Yeah, exactly. Took all, the, took all the tension out of it. You know, I think finally Barnaby said that he likes Tampa, but up until then, I haven't been able to find anyone to like this team. For They seem to be like the the team to that everyone wanted to play in the first round and someone that everyone's right. kind of dismissing. But I don't know. Me and Don were talking about this earlier. We don't really know what to make of this Penguins-Lightning series, partly because we don't know who's going to be playing for the Penguins. You know, is Crosby going to be there, is not. And we really haven't right. seen this group of Lightning players in the playoffs in a few years. Right. Um, yeah, they haven't, I mean, they haven't won a playoff series since they won the Cup in 04. But certainly with you know, the Cavier and with St. Louis, and even Simone Gagne, who certainly has experience. And, um, you know, they, they have a decent amount of players. And Dwayne Rolleston was there a couple of years ago with the Oilers. So they have some experience. They have some young guys, certainly Stamkos and Victor Hedman, and some role players. You know, my, my issue with them in the playoffs, first of all, they gave up a lot of goals. Um, you look at their goals. I, I like to go to the standings, see who gave up a lot of goals during the regular season. And it's hard for teams to give up a lot of goals to do well in the playoffs. Um, because the game becomes more defensive, and usually a better defensive team wins. We know the Penguins are a phenomenal defensive team. Uh, they have a really good goalie. They have very mobile defense. They're, all their forwards skate really well. Um, they're a really cohesive team, and look what they've done. They, their record is pretty close to the same without Crosby, despite scoring a goal less a game. Incredible. You know? Yeah, it's and incredible. So they're, still, they're still able to win low-scoring games. And and so I, I just thought that the, it, was a tough, it was a tough choice, because certainly the Penguins could you know, score one goal a game. And they and, won 10 you know, shootouts. They have a hard time scoring goals. Yeah, and they won 10 shootouts. They're not going to be able to win any shootouts in the playoffs. Right, exactly. It kind of reminds you of Phoenix last year had all those shootout wins yep. once they got to the postseason. They couldn't win the series. And, and so, yeah, that's definitely a factor. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I just think that the Penguins will be able to maybe throw a, a shutdown pair of defense and maybe to match up against the uh, the Lightning big line. Um, although, you know, if, you, they, if they split up and they go Le Cavier and St. Louis and they go Scagne and Stamkos, then 
Capitals might be able to, you know, offset that, and and or the the Lightning. Maybe they should be the favorite because they can really score. But I tend to take the better defensive team if I'm not too sure. You know, I got to think the Canadians and the Bruins because if nothing else, they taught me a new word this year, and that's stanchion. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I was as familiar with the word stanchion as I am now that Zdeno Chara very unpolitely directed that poor young man into it. But this is going to be an intense series. Boston is really, really physical and tough. And I was thinking before the Sabres knew who their matchup would be, I thought, well, you know, Boston might be a good matchup, but if that game goes seven games, I don't know if we'll have anything left because they're so hard to play night in and night out. And then when I look at Montreal, I think, is Montreal going to be able to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs in a 24-7 media era. It's just so intense there, and they're so hard on the team, especially Carey Price, who's put together a fantastic season, and I give him a lot of credit for doing that because they're so hard on him there. But it just uh, it makes me wonder if they'll ever be able to make a really, really deep, deep run with just all of that pressure. And I just wonder what you think about the Boston and Montreal series. Yeah, I mean, I think Montreal can, can win. They just need better players. And uh, even this year, they just, they're the lowest-scoring team in the, in the postseason. They yep. score the fewest goals, and that's their problem. And, you know, in recent history, and that could change this postseason because they seem to be letting a lot more go in terms of, uh, you know, battling and hooking and stuff, and, and goal scoring is down a bit. But, you know, since the lockout, the only, the only teams that have won cups are teams who score a lot of goals. And, um, you know, before the lockout, you could not score many goals and still win a championship. Now, that wasn't the case since the lockout. And, again, I might change this year because it seemed to be letting more of that stuff go. And plus, teams are now just everybody's collapsing on the goalie and everyone's blocking shots and, and stuff like that. But So I just felt with the Bruins situation, with Montreal have a hard time scoring, and the Bruins can have, can have a hard time scoring, too. And Montreal is a goaltender, and certainly you could see Carey Price win a series. Um, but I just felt like this, you know, the with Montreal's offense maybe not being all that great, a little bit of a smaller team, and and the Bruins have some decent size. That you know that they would they would be a little bit of an edge in that series. Yeah, I, you kind of said it already, but that series more than any, you might need your goalie to steal the series. Montreal's going to have to win a lot of games two to one and one nothing. I mean, they're, yeah. they're not going to well, blow that's anybody. Be a lot, that's going to be true in a lot of playoff series, I think, in this postseason, like in the Capital Rangers series and the Penguins Lightning. You could have two one, like you said, two one one nothing games and. And certainly all, all the, a lot of goalies are, can do that. It's interesting that Vancouver, sitting number one in the West, is playing a team that's eliminated them the last two years, but certainly not the same Chicago team. Do you see Vancouver getting the monkey off their back and getting past Chicago this year? Yeah, I do. You know, obviously, like you said, Chicago's been up and down. They they lost a lot of key people after when he won the Cup last year, Buffalo and Ladd. Mm-hmm. Not only depth, but also... They just, uh, they, you know, those guys aren't as aren't as good, and so they're not only having guys who are big in the room and stuff. Also, they lose their talent and their personalities and leadership and stuff. So, and yeah, Vancouver's been like a machine, power play, penalty kill. They really have it all. And again, we've seen teams before. They'll you know, go right through the regular season, like the Capitals and even the Red Wings a, a while back. And um, and end up losing in the first round. It's possible, but with really a rookie goaltender and up and down year, I would think the Canucks. This will be the to get the monkey off the back and get it done. The Sabers are hot. The Ducks might be hotter. They got themselves all the way to fourth place in the West. Corey Perry has been phenomenal, and Nashville is another really hot and good team with great goaltending. What do you make of that series? That to me is really hard to forecast. 
It is. It is hard to forecast. Um, you know, I, I took Nashville because they're such a good defensive team and they have a really good goaltender. And um, they have a really good shutdown pair in Weber and Suter, and they could go head to head maybe with Getzlaff and Perry and Ryan, and maybe kind of you know eat, you know kind of take care of them. I think that's the type of series where I would probably take Anaheim, but who's who's even going to play goalie for them? Yeah, Emery's hurt, right? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, exactly. They both are goaltenders are a little bit you know I mean could be an injury concern for them as well. So I mean, like you said, Corey Perry is red hot, and they they could. Barrel right on through, but um, and Tamu Solani is there? A, I just is there a better forty plus player, forty plus year old player ever than Solani? No, that's that's a great point. I can't believe how he just has not slowed down at all. He hasn't slowed down at all. He's got so he great up. speed and great hands and great enthusiasm. Yeah, I mean, I thought for sure he was going to retire after they won the cup a couple of years ago. And he did, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like well, the guys as, as, getting as better. As, they, as long as people, as long as people keep giving you two million dollars, you might as well stick around until <laughs> they stop giving it to you. Yeah, but I was I was thirteen thirteen years old when him and Will Gilney had seventy six goals, and you know, I'm thirty one now, right. and he's still still playing. It's incredible. Uh, it really is. Yeah, Franzen is another incredible playoff player. Detroit is always in the mix in the Western Conference. It seems like uh, Phoenix. You know, it's kind of a mess out there with terms of are they going to be there, are they not going to be there. But, again, they find themselves in the playoffs second straight year under all that doubt. And that's that's uh, a lot to be said for that. But is this something you see Detroit, uh, you know, just walking through Phoenix, or you think Phoenix has a chance? Oh, no, Phoenix has a chance. You know, Zetterberg's hurt, obviously. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and Phoenix can score. They're not quite like, you know, the, the defense. Of, they give up goals. So there's uh, so they kind of go for it. And maybe they'll change their mode a bit here in the playoffs, but they have they can go a little bit with Detroit. So Detroit has to be a little bit concerned, but Detroit can also be confident that they can score against Phoenix. So um, you know, Brzezikalov's a big goaltender, and he can, certainly can get hot. And you win one game, or you win game one, or you win game two on the road. You come back that game three is huge. And if you go up two to one, then you know you. Have, then you get you know a team like Detroit's in a dogfight. You can really make them uncomfortable, and you can really kind of control the series. So uh, you know that that's why all, that's why it's so hard to pick these series because you just don't know if that road team can go in and split and come back and win Game Three. Then everything changes. And so, but I just don't like Detroit in their depth. But you know they have a goaltender question. They have an age question. Um, they're an older team. They're the oldest team in the league. You know, Lidstrom is 40, and Rafalski's up there, and they can get worn down. And, you know, Lidstrom doesn't play a lot of five-on-five anymore. He, he, almost half his time is PK and power play. And so uh, Phoenix definitely has a chance in the series. Last series uh, is San Jose in L.A. Don and I were kind of talking earlier. Sometimes San Jose is on the golf course before they realize the playoffs have started. Um, sometimes, other times they uh, get with it a little quicker. The Kings obviously devastating blow not to have Kopitar. What kind of chance yeah. do you give them in this series? And are you confident that the, that San Jose is ready to go and make a run here in the West? Yeah, I think San Jose. You know, I think you know as they uh, 
certainly, you know, you have to question Thornton and Marlowe and other guys who haven't got it done. But, you know, Danny Heatley, second year with the team. And now the young guys like Setaguchi and Pavelski and Logan Couture, who they added this year, as they get better and they get more experience, maybe they can be the difference for them. If you don't think Thornton and Marlowe are the capable of carrying a team and doing it on their own, well, then you just create all this massive depth and maybe together they can do it. And so, uh, and of course, they have a goaltender who's won a Stanley Cup, so that has to kind of fill them with confidence. It was never in a Bokoff question, or if they had a guy, at least they had, not that he made the difference last year, but at least you know a guy has won one before, so maybe that may make everybody feel comfortable. Um, but, you know, yeah, LA is a great goal prevention team. They're, they play great team defense. Again, we talked about that goals against statistic, and Drew Doughty might be the best defenseman in the league during this postseason. He's just going to, I think, will be a monster. Um, you mentioned Kopitar. Will they get the goal scoring? But they have good defense. They're pretty sturdy. Jonathan Cook's a good goalie, and they think defense. So they should be able to keep this thing, these games tight. And when you, know, you keep the game low scoring and tight, then you, you know, a, lot of, a lot of times it comes down to bounces and stuff like that. And, of course, anything can happen then. So, yeah, so I think L.A. has a chance, but I do like the Sharks, and, and, um, and I do think they have a chance to get to the finals. All right, the sportscasters here. We're talking to the great John Butchergrass from ESPN. You can watch him every day on SportsCenter. He's on Twitter, at Butchergrass. Just a couple more things here before we let you go. It seems like you had a great time tweeting about and covering uh, the NCAA hockey tournament. Is that one of your favorite things you do every year? And what are your thoughts on the tournament as we just crowned Minnesota Duluth the champions in a very exciting final? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing the play-by-play. I didn't do the play-by-play this year. I had a vacation plan, but normally I love doing the play-by-play. And yeah, college hockey, the percentage of players in the NHL now um, who play college hockey is it's really high. Uh, I think it's up like 18, 20%, a big jump over a few years ago. So it's become a good training ground uh, for players. As you know, most, you know, the really good players are going to the USHL or, or getting to college when they're 19, 20. So it's really become a, you know, a game with a lot of experience and, and a really high-quality game. And uh, so it's, and it's great to see Minnesota Duluth win it for the first time and, and spread the wealth. I think you only see that in the future. And I think the Big Ten... Um, with Penn State, uh, as you know, yeah, it's um, coming into yeah. the, com- coming into the college hockey scene and create like a Big Ten with the Big Ten Network, right. get more game, get more games on in HD, and maybe they can add a couple teams, and suddenly that that'll help that brand of Big Ten hockey. I think will help for the casual fan to, to maybe bring a few new fans in. Yeah, it's it's very exciting, and it, you know, you mentioned all the college players in the NHL. You know, North Dakota loses on. Uh, Thursday and Saturday, you know, Fratton played for the Maple Leafs, you know, so just yeah, like, it's really, yeah, yeah, really it, cool. And, and, uh, so yeah, it, it's, it's great for those guys. Some, some get drafted, some don't get drafted, but they can go to college, prove themselves and something they're free agents yep. and, uh, they can kind of pick, pick what team they think is their best situation. So yeah, yeah it, it's, they're trying to grow the game even more, and, and they have Paul Kelly, who used to be in charge of the Players Association now, is uh, that's his new job, is trying to get college hockey uh, bigger and better. Yeah, and uh, we had Carter Camper on last week, really nice kid, and he mentioned exactly what you did. He said, you know, I was on the fringe of getting drafted, and I'm almost glad I didn't because now he got to sit back and he decided that Providence was the best situation for him. Played a couple games, got a goal, and he's going to go back and finish his degree, and he'll probably be in camp, you know, in the fall for Boston, so right. it's, it's a great... That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome, but uh, one last thing, NHL awards, you got a favorite for, for the big ones? Yeah, um, you know, for MVP, I took Ryan Kessler. It was a tough decision between him and Corey Perry, but 
but I just seeing all the things that Kessler does that maybe you know that I, I thought separated him was all the faceoffs he takes and wins, all the block shots he has, all the hits that he has, all the time on the penalty kill he takes, all the time on the power play he takes. You know, Daniel Sedin doesn't kill penalties. Uh, Alex Ovechkin doesn't kill penalties. The Sedins don't kill penalties. Um, Corey Perry doesn't take faceoffs. Doesn't quite hit like Kessler. Um, and Kessler has power play goals, and he plays shorthanded. And so I just felt like he was the best player and the most valuable player uh, in the NHL. He played for the best team, too. And I think yep. the big reason why they were the best team was because of him. Awesome. For goaltender, I had Tim Thomas. For defenseman, I had Daniel Chara. For rookie of the year, I had Jeff Skinner. And coach of the year, I had um, Mike Babcock, kind of like a uh, lifetime achievement award, kind of, because he's never <laughs> won one before, and he's accomplished a lot in this game. It's a great year for rookies, huh? I I, I love Carlson. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, really I, tough. I love Carlson. Ennis has been he scored twenty goals for the Sabres this year. Couture. Yeah, Couture, and you mentioned um, Skinner. Yeah, what a Couture, great, great year for rookies. Yeah, and Grabner are my three finalists. Yeah, and oh, Grabner. Grabner. Yep. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just felt Jeff Skinner at age eighteen, just you know, he's so electric and really consistent throughout the entire year, from the first weekend right to the last weekend. He was a, a big time factor. So that's why I gave it to him. All right, last question. How about a bold prediction for the NHL playoffs? Bold prediction? Wow. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I like to go series by series, uh, round by round, because I like to see who plays right. Um, you know, right. against other teams. And Eastern, Eastern Conference, you really, you really could see any of those eight teams make it to the finals. I really do. Um, I think they all legitimately have a chance in the West. I don't think it's quite as much like that. I think Vancouver is such a really strong team, but you know they get knocked out and suddenly. But I really think it's you know Detroit, San Jose, or Vancouver. I would bet my mortgage one of those three teams would be in the finals. But in terms of the uh, you know the East, you just don't know. Will Crosby come back? Or could the could the Penguins win a cup without Malkin if Crosby comes back? So a lot of a lot of big question marks. It's going to be fun to watch. Do you, would you put your money on Crosby coming back or not coming back? I would. Yeah, I would. I do think that maybe they said it's second round minimum, but I still think if this series goes to game five or six, it, uh, but maybe they, don't, maybe they don't want to bring him into the middle of a series because that can disrupt things sometimes. Right. So maybe there's, there's hey, we're not going to do that because you know, the, the Flyers did that once with Eric Lindros. They brought him back up three games to one, and they brought him back, and they ended up losing the series uh, to the Devils. That's when, that's when Lindros got knocked out. He didn't start yeah. that series, but yep. they were doing good without him. Yeah. And so maybe that's how they'll read it, too. If he's ready, if they're up 2-0, keep him out. If they're up 3-1, just keep him out. Let's wait. And uh, But if they're down 2-0 or something, they feel like they're okay. Now, then that's easy to put him in. But if they're up, I don't know how they're going to do it. And maybe he's not going to play at all. But I think that's how, I think they will kind of look at that. If he's ready but they're up 2-0, let's keep him out longer. Good for him. We don't need him yet. And then, so, But I do think he'll be back. He looks too good to me in his practice in terms of how he's moving. Yeah, you know, the Sabres are going to be in a, in a similar position with Derek Roy because he's been skating, and right. the word is, is that he could return if the Sabres are still playing in May. And I just always think, well, what are they going to do with Derek Roy? You know, like I'm not really right. sure yeah. where he fits in now. But um, I did that. Right, oh, I'm exactly. so- well, that might, that, that might take care of itself with an injury. There's always injuries in the postseason because it's such physical hockey. So yep. he sh- if he's going to come back in May, it'll probably be a slot for him. Um, but if there's not, like you said, you, you can't disrupt a good thing. Right. Jim Miller is putting out a book about ESPN. Uh, it's coming out very soon. 
were you interviewed for that book? And what do you? I wasn't. Yeah, I was. I was not. You I wish were. I was. I, I like being. Yeah, you know, it's fun. But yeah, it's no, he strange. never. He it's never strange. contacted. Yeah, I've been there fifteen years. I guess I couldn't offer any insight. <laughs> <laughs> That's really strange that he didn't. He didn't reach out to you. But I wonder. I, I are you looking forward to reading that book? I mean, are you nervous about it, or is it just kind of indifferent to you? Or I don't know. This is, someone wrote a book about, about ten years ago, or twelve years ago, I think, on the SPN. I never read that one. Yeah. Um, when, you know, when, you, when you live it every day and you know how things work and you know and you, and you know how you know some of the rumors are true and some of them aren't <laughs> and it's like why do I have to read about it and um, so yeah I, I and there's nothing in there about me so that's <laughs> 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 any juicy or interesting so uh, I don't know you know maybe if I see it and I might read it and uh, or even maybe start it and see if it's interested in me but yeah we'll, we'll see. All right, John Butchergrass, thank you very, very much for your time. The Sportscasters and John Butchergrass, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Butchergrass and watch him every day on SportsCenter, right? Monday through Friday, right in the mid, mid-morning mid there you usually are on? Yeah, noon to 3 Eastern. Noon to 3 Eastern. All right, thank you very much, Mr. Yeah. Butchergrass. Talk to you soon. You bet any time. Thank you. All right, book club update. It is the basically the first full week of From Bags to Riches by Jeff Duncan being the book of the week. Jeff was nice enough to send some books out, and we would like to give one away. So here's what we're going to do. Our email address is thesportscasters at gmail.com. If you can email me the three correct saints that scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, we will enter you into a drawing, and all of the correct answers that we receive by Friday, we will pull a name out, and the winner will get a book mailed to them from Bags to Riches. It's the book of the month this month for the book club. I am about eh, only about 70 pages in, but enjoying it very much. Don's going to get his copy today, and we have a copy to give away, and then we'll also have another copy to give away when Jeff joins us on May fifth is when we are going to call it quits. So I encourage you, read along with us. It's a great book. It's not just a book about the saints. It's about the saints and the city of New Orleans and it just rebuilding. And I, I love the cover. It's got a picture of the, the Superdome with the roof torn off. And below it's got a picture of Tracy Porter intercepting Brett Favre in the NFC Championship game. You can see Sidney Rice on the ground trying to <laughs> Clip at his ankle, but um, yeah, it's how the New Orleans Saints and the people of their hometown rose from the depths together by Jeff Duncan. Jeff was on last week. He's going to be on on May 5th to close out this month of the book club. And again, if you want to win the book, email us, the sportscasters at g- gmail.com. The three Saints that scored a touchdown during the Super Bowl on Friday will collect all the right answers, pick out a winner, and send you the book. So, That's the book club, and we'll be right back with Peter Farrell from the Ultimate Sports Road Trip at the request of message board member El Samo. That sounds right. That's right, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll be right back with Peter. Hopefully he's awake. Sky for the basket. Star 
so big. What a spectacular move. Our next guest was born in Long Island and grew up in Horseheads, New York, near Elmira. He is a graduate of the Corning Community College and, with his friend Andrew, has went on every boy's dream, a trip to every stadium in the four major sports. His name is Peter Farrell. Peter, how are you doing? Welcome to the Sportscasters. Great, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, did you like, uh, do you know what that play was? That we played for you uh, there in the intro? I, I, wasn't paying, I just wasn't paying attention to that particular moment. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. It was John Stark's uh, The Dunk. Oh, you, uh, oh, God. How do I forget that one? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Unfortunately, that's, unfortunately since they haven't won a championship, that's kind of a high moment of the past 30 years or so. You know? Yeah, but they are in the playoffs this year, right? First time them and the Rangers are yes. in the playoffs since 1997, yes. I think I read. Yes, they are. Yes, so they that's are. very exciting. Forward, but, uh, you know, it's strange. A couple weeks ago, we had a listener just post on our website and said, you know, we really want to know more about stadiums. And I recalled that when I had went to my very first Saints game in New Orleans, I ran into a couple of guys from Buffalo uh, that were traveling around the world, going to all the country, going to all these different sporting events. And uh, I've been following you along uh, the last few years. And anytime I go to a new stadium, I always check out your site. It's the sportsroadtrip.com just to try to find out some information about whatever stadium I'm going to. So I thought you'd be the perfect guest for tonight uh, just to talk about stadiums. And I guess the, the best place to start is, I guess, what's been your favorite stadium? Do you have one or two or three that stick out? I know, I know we rated the highest, play, the highest venue that we rated on, on our ranking list on that website is definitely our Conceco Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. And considering that guy, our Knicks fan, that is a huge statement to make. And yeah, I no really, kidding. really enjoyed that venue. I mean, uh, it kind of goes along in the mold of all those retro style baseball parks that became all the rage during the that were built back in the 90s and early 2000s. Except they did that in a basketball arena, so to speak. Hmm. I mean, they, there's actually a couple sections in that building where they actually have like pull-out bleachers, like having a high school gymnasium and whatnot, you know, and kind of looks just like the. Uh, Old Hinkle Fieldhouse that they uh, filmed the final scenes from Hoosiers and kind of sort of they kind of followed followed that mold in the, during the construction. So just a magnificent building in 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 a, in a city of Indianapolis that is just you know the home of Indiana basketball. It's, it's the perfect basketball building in the perfect basketball city, really. Awesome. Do you have a favorite NHL arena? NHL. I mean, I, I know we have a ranking that says Columbus is number one, but uh, you know. I would, I would, I would, I would go. Montreal is one of my favorites. Probably has about the most passionate fan base. Very loud and, building. And, I've been uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Very loud. Uh, the, if, I'm assuming you've been if you've been in there, you realize that the the, the sea wall is pretty steep. Yep. The roof is flat and keeps it keeps the noise in pretty well. And when if weekend evening with a big time rival in town, I mean that place, that place can make a lot of noise. And again, it's it's Canada. Canada is hockey. I mean that's just it's a great place to see a hockey game. Question. Yeah, it's a great it's, city too. It's a very, very loud arena for sure. Maybe the maybe the loudest NHL arena I've been in. Uh, let's just keep going through them. What's your favorite uh, Major League Baseball stadium? I know mine. It's not number one on your list, but I, I'm a big fan of PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I, I know anybody anybody who ever, who ever has a differing opinion on, on baseball teams or any of the venues. I I can just tell you that you know if you go to enough of these places, 
you, everybody sees things from a different perspective, and, and it's only puts together a completely different list with a completely different ranking. I mean, I'm totally cool with that. Uh, you know, there's just so many great ballparks out there that catch people's attention that it's only puts a, a different, a totally different top ten than what I what I had. You know, so be it. I mean, I, I have no reason to disagree with them. I mean, but for the record, we put Philadelphia as the number one venue in the Major League Baseball. I mean, uh, some uh, most of these Major League venues are set in downtown areas. Yep. And Philly does not, but yet they've taken all the cool stuff that you normally see outside the stadium and were able to bring it inside the venue. And of course, Philadelphia being such a just being a great baseball city, having a team for like Pittsburgh for over 120 years, a great passion, a fan base. I mean, it was, it was just a tough building to beat. It's really cool too how you're coming down the highway and you can get off. I think the exit is even called like sports venues or yeah, something the and they're all right there with uh, the football stadium and the old hockey rink which i think they just tore down and the new hockey rink and that is gone. yeah so that's a really cool a really cool spot uh one of our listeners is from seattle and he's a really really big fan of safeco field how was your experience in safeco and um what stands out when you look think back to your time at safeco field safeco field in seattle was one, probably one of one of the best Experiences I ever had there. It was a really special moment. Matter of fact, it was right about ten years ago to this day. Right about it was opening day, two thousand one. Matter of fact, opening night. And what really made it special is that it was uh, it was a really landmark moment in Major League Baseball history. In that it was it was Ichiro's first game as a Mariner. Mm. You know, it was the, the first time a Japanese player who was not a pitcher was taking the field in a Major League Baseball uniform. So it was just a great atmosphere being opening night and. Uh, Huge, the, the huge contingent of Japanese media was there, uh, fans carrying Japanese language signs all over the place, and, and just just to see him show off his talents that first night, you could tell. You know, I, I remember he beat out a bunch single. He called his own call bases. You could tell that this guy was going to be a great player right from the first game. Just just a great night, fantastic night to be there. Would you say that was the most historically relevant game you happened to attend of any of the sports? Mm. You know, I was in I was in Nashville for the Music City Miracle. Oh, <laughs> I, I think that pretty much <laughs> pretty much tops the list of uh, unique moments that I saw. But uh, I I can think uh, if you if you want another Seattle moment, I, I was I was also in Seattle the night Tur- Terrell Owens pulled out the sharpie and signed a football after scoring a touchdown oh, at nice. uh, Westfield there a year later. So uh, how do you like Westfield? What's that? How did you like Westfield? Westfield, I think I think it's it was great because I caught it for a Monday night. If anybody's ever been to a Monday night game compared to a Sunday night game, I mean the atmosphere is just that much greater inside the building. The eyes of the country are on, are on your city, on your stadium, and and, and it's it's just a rowdy or wilder atmosphere. And it was just, it's it's always and that's the atmosphere we got when we went to Seattle. And plus, of course, I guess I twelve ones. I saw him do that, and I was like, did he really just do what I thought he just did? <laughs> Pulling off the pen and doing that, but I guess he did. <laughs> That's actually the exact same reaction I think I had. Actually, Donnie and I were living together at the time yeah. in Fredonia, and we were watching that game, and yeah, we had the same reaction. Like, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> what did he just do? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so let's back up. Let's go back to the Music City Miracle. Take me through that a little bit. So Buffalo goes down and kicks the field goal and takes the lead. And what's kind of the attitude in the stadium? Were people walking out? Was everyone kind of defeated? <laughs> What was it like? Definitely deflated. Yeah. The fans were definitely deflated. Uh, some fans were walking away. Out, but then again, there was only like, what, 16 seconds ago? So you might as well stick around. 
And uh, another thing I keep remembering is that what I was thinking of myself at the time as a Bills fan uh, was that the, he takes the field goal on first down. I don't know if you remember that. Uh. I'm like, wait, I'm like, wait, what are you doing? Run the clock down to two or three seconds, then take the ball and run and, and walk out of the building. Run another play, run the clock down, take the ball, walk out of the building. And I, I was Whoops. just, I, 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 I didn't think much of it because I, I was just like, well, you know, go take the ball off, he'll get tackled, can't be over, I'm celebrating. But uh, as we all know, that didn't quite happen. So, But that was one of the, when that moment happened, that was one of the, the the wildest, craziest celebration moments I've ever, ever heard in any building, ever. <laughs> now, what is, we didn't ask you, but what is your favorite uh, NFL stadium? Green Bay. Green Bay, yeah, it's just Lambeau, right? Green you just Bay can't beat it. it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is really a one-of-a-kind experience. I mean, uh, just being in a town that's about this, uh, population-wise, probably about the size of Cheek Dewagas or Amherst or something like that, uh, Having an NFL team of their own, uh, it, it, it's a, just a, amazing how an entire town literally turns out for a football game, and how all the streets in town are named after great players. You know, there's a Ray Nitschke Way, Holmgren Way, uh, Title Town this, uh, Reggie White this. I mean, <laughs> just it, it's it's a one place where a city is definitely. I mean, other other cities seem to think that their teams are their cities are defined by their football team or their sports team, but here in there in Green Bay, it genuinely is. All about the Packers. You know, it, I would it, recommend anybody ever, anybody ever gets to go go. It's interesting. I'm looking at the bottom of your football rankings, and a lot of the stadiums near the bottom make sense because they're they're older stadiums. But right near the bottom, number 29, you have FedEx Field, uh, where the Redskins play, one of the biggest stadiums probably in the NFL. I'm surprised it's ranked so low, given the fact that they it hasn't been open very long, and uh, I just wonder why. Uh, it got such a bad rating. What is it? About? I've never been there, so I, I just wonder why. It was one of the places. I mean, when, whenever we've gone around to all these places, we cut them when they first opened, when they're brand new, and we were able to chat with fans who remember going to the old venue. And we could we definitely compare old venue to new venue. And while most people kind of wax poetic about the old one, everybody loved the new one. And when we were in Washington, at least this was 2001, I think it was, when we were in, we were in a FedEx field. People were people were pretty disappointed with the new venue, complaining that it was overpriced, kind of sterile. It's not. It, they weren't. They weren't turned on by the new venue, and, and a lot of people were just waxing poetic about the old RFK Stadium, how wonderful that was. I mean, I, it, it just seems like for some reason, people there hadn't let go of the old building there, and that was kind of unique in, in, in our travels around the country, seeing that kind of affect the place. So I, I think that kind of rubbed off on us, and when we ranked it, it was like, eh. Right. I don't really care for those places, you know? You know, it's interesting because everyone kind of loves football outside, you know, and it's kind of turned off by the Dome Stadiums. Yeah, you guys have mm-hmm. Lucas Field ranked number seven. Is that just really a testament to how beautiful Lucas, Lucas Oil Stadium is to be ranked that it high is. for a Dome Stadium? Yeah. It is. And plus, plus it's also attractive. I, I, don't know how much, it, I don't know how much that really plays into it, but it's also attractive for roof. I mean, I remember we were there with the roof open and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can still you can still get that kind of atmosphere to get in a place like that. Awesome, and and you say that the north side gives the stadium its wow factor. What's going on on the north side of the stadium? That that's the that's the where the grand entrance where you walk into a building like say like say an H for hockey you walk in H S C arena you got the grand atrium there and that's what you got in that uh, particular side of the building that's that's where everybody comes into. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, favorite stadiums is definitely year number two, Heinz Field. And um, I went to a game there in 2006, and it was a 4 o'clock game. And the cool, one of the coolest things was how we got there at 1 o'clock, and the stadium was open, and they had TVs everywhere with the NFL ticket. Um, have you been to other stadiums that are similar, or is that kind of a unique part of Heinz Field? Uh, that's that's things you see that I think that's something we've seen more and more of as time has gone on. Uh, as uh, as as these as these venues keep opening up, these uh, venues keep uh, coming up with ways with with more amenities and more uh, designs and more things that for more things that make to for the, for the fans like like what you're saying, you know, being able to watch the games before and after the game when, while you're at the stadium. Uh, I'll give I'll give an example at the NBA. At the we went to the New Orlando Magic Arena. And there are so many big screen TVs in that joint. There's, there's. If you're walking around the lower level concourse, you'll there'll be a big screen TV about every 20 feet as you're walking through the concourse, hanging on the wall. So there's no way in heck that you can miss anything going on if you happen to be out during the game. You can't miss it. It's impossible, so to speak. I mean, it's just it's 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 a constant race between all these venues to see who can top the other in every which way possible. Really. You seem to find something nice about uh, to say about most of the stadiums. Was there anywhere you went that was just absolutely like a terrible experience? I'm trying to think because most most of the places that that we that we've been to that, that were really ugly and hideous have been torn down. <laughs> like say, for example, Veteran Veteran Stadium for one. I mean, you know, rats and cats. I mean, I, 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 I'm very happy to see that place that building replaced. Uh, <laughs> these are just places where where we get treated like like nonsense by the by the ushers and stadium personnel. Uh-huh. You know, if they're, if they, if they're going out of their way to check your ticket stuff or something like that, you know, I think I think that's about something we really t- we really watch watch out for more than anything else. How well how well you as a fan are treated by the ushers and personnel that work inside the stadium? Because uh, let's face it, you're paying you're paying fifty, sixty, hundred bucks for a ticket sometimes. When you demand, you ought to be treated well by the people that work, work these buildings. Now you're not a fan of the city of Cleveland, huh? Uh, yeah, getting your car, getting your park car towed from a legal parking spot would, uh, yeah, that would tar <laughs> your image of the city. We <laughs> and then a... having to walk three miles to go get it through some, uh, neighborhood that, uh, you know, might not be the best in town. We had a very similar experience in Hartford, so we, <laughs> yeah. we've oh, been, sure. yeah, we've been there, but, um, you know, you guys initially went to all of the stadiums and then kind of the project ended, but it, it's, it's kept going since you guys kind of officially finished what building that opened that you've went to after the fact has been the best? Gosh. Which one is that? After anything, that's post-2003. <laughs> wow. wow. It, 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 it's hard to pick them out because all of them are just so brand new and so wonderful and so awesome and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, so I guess I can't put the new ones. I can't put the super new one, but can I? No, I, haven't been back, I haven't been back there since I renovated it, so no. Are you guys planning on going to the Superdome uh, post renovation? You know, it is we, it's we want, stunning. We we did want to. We had a weekend lined up back in two thousand six because uh, we because we want we want to see a game down in Death Valley, and LSU, and the uh, Saints were playing the next day, allegedly mm-hmm. a home game. And then we looked at the schedule again, and that was the one game that they played in London, Wembley Stadium, uh, yeah, against so the like, Chargers. So we had to. Oh. We had to take that off the list, so unfortunately that didn't happen. But that's still out there in the future. We're trying to hit more college football venues, so that place is uh, pretty much still in place for a future visit. Uh, how do you enjoy the college football stadiums? Is it really just like nothing else in terms of 
it's it's it seems a lot less corporate. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you have you have the, the students provide a very passionate uh, a very passionate. I, I like all the little cheers and little stunts they do. And there's all these every, every school has their special traditions, and these are all things that you really don't see at the NFL level. And I, I guess uh, being in Buffalo and seeing all the uh, drunken debauchery that can take place inside the Ruffles, all the fights and whatnot, it's kind of refreshing that most of these places don't serve alcohol. Not that it doesn't. I mean, I drink like everybody else, but just I notice how it's. Uh, no, not 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 quite as uh, violent inside the stadium at, at those places. NFL is below venue more often than not. Now I see that you guys have went to um, Austin, Texas for a game at Texas Memorial Stadium, and I bet that was just an absolute dump, right? Did you guys were you guys harmed in any way or abused <laughs> or? Uh, Texas A and M was much cooler. Yeah, oh, I bet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was one. Texas A and M was one was definitely one of my favorite places to go. Mm. Uh, yeah. He asked that and question. Funny, wearing... We saw Texas play, and they almost they were playing a cupcake opponent called Arkansas State, Figures, and they yeah. they almost they almost wound up losing. Mm. And it was it was funny because they won by like two or three points. Texas won by two or three points, and everybody's just walking out of the building like they lost. It was one of the weirdest things I ever, I ever saw. I've just heard many stories about people being abused and and violated it at the Texas Memorial <laughs> Stadium. I just know it's one of the <laughs> worst places in the world. So. Yeah, he asked that question mm-hmm. wearing his Oklahoma. T-shirts, so. Uh, 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 <laughs> I, 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 if it makes you feel better, I saw Texas basketball. Texas's basketball team get beaten in the NCAA tournament in Tulsa this year. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's very great to hear. I'm very uh, excited uh, to hear that. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it very much. Anytime Texas loses, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a fan of it. Have you been mm-hmm. to uh, Oklahoma yet for a game? To Norman? What's that? Have you been to Norman yet? I not, no, you know what? I've been, I've been to Stillwater. Mm. I don't know, I don't, I don't know if that's evil in your eyes or not, too. But yeah, pretty much. But it's a nice new stadium, <laughs> right? They put a lot of money into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the schedule—it's it's just, just a matter of you know. Usually, we try and wrap these college football events around one of these uh, official uh, professional venue stops. Like when we went to uh, the new Dallas Cowboys Stadium in November 2009, we looked at a uh, for college football games in the area that weekend and. Oklahoma State had a special Thursday night game, and uh, Texas A&M was on was was playing at home the day before. So we knocked two venues off the map, knocked two college venues off the map, and then went to the New Cowboys Stadium. How's that? The New Cowboys Stadium? Yeah. It's it's oh gosh it's it's it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can very much it, it's very much tell they spent well over a billion dollars to build that thing, uh, it, it, and it's also. Kind of scary when you think about a place like Ralph Wilson Stadium, and you're realizing that the bar for what you have to build in the NFL, as far as the new stadium goes, is being raised so much higher and higher and higher. It's like, how does a team like the Buffalo Bills compete with the stadium that they have compared to what the Dallas Cowboys just built? Not only in the wealth factor, but just financially. Right. Uh, I also remember the one thing I also remember about being in Dallas Cowboys Stadium, as far as a high price seating areas is that the upper deck, the upper level, is the only level in the entire stadium where you can walk around the, entire, the, the circumference of the stadium, and, ev- uh, and by that I mean every other level is blocked off between the 20 yard lines by some sort of premium seating all the way up. I mean, it's, and that's, that's how much uh, high-end premium, premium seating that there is in that building. That's how much they're, a- they're able to charge that much money. In that building, as compared to some of these, uh, like I said, a venue like say in Buffalo. Do you find yourself just staring at the TV the whole time? Oh, it is. It is definitely. It is definitely a place where you can. You. You want. We sat in the first couple rows in the upper deck, and you didn't really even have to watch what was going on in the field. 
I mean, you could feel that. You could see it. You could almost see things better on the on the big screen, big screen over the center of the stadium. That was that was, that was pretty unusual. The website is thesportsroadtrip.com. Peter and his friend Andrew have certainly went on an incredible journey together. Uh, you know, is that one of the things that really makes it great, just to be able to to have done it with with your best friend and you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Have, it's always, you got to got to have someone you want to, who likes to do this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 uh, I'll just say for the record, right now we're heading over we're heading over to Europe in October for the for the Sabres opening series. So uh, awesome. I'll continue. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for for joining us on Sportscasters. Are you, do you are you guys on Twitter at all? Do you tweet about you know when you're at the stadiums or anything like that? Have you guys used Twitter to uh, enhance your your uh, trips at all? I uh, you know. I guess I've gotten. Old. I guess I'm. Old. I, I I haven't gotten around on Twitter. I've been on Facebook forever, but I just haven't gotten on the Twitter just yet. I keep, it's one of the things I've like procrastinated on for the past six months. Yeah, I'm going to join. I'm going to join, but I haven't done it yet. So, uh, <laughs> just hit me up on Facebook, probably. Just come find me. All right, all right, Peter. Thank you very all much right. for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure. All right, thanks, Steve. Thank Appreciate you. Bye, yep. 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 Thanks. And you're listening to my boyfriend Steve on the Sportscasters. And, oh yeah, Don's on it too. Alright, the Sportscasters back for one last segment. Don, are you awake? I am am here. Alright, just wanted to make sure. Great show tonight. We had John Butchergrass, the Sports Center anchor from ESPN on. Uh, We had my brother Greg helping us out with three things. We had nine things instead of six. And we had Peter Farrell from the Ultimate Sports Road Trip. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Before we get into pick four, just a couple of reminders. Make sure you check us out on the Internet. Our website is www.sports-casters.com. That's sports-casters.com. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thesportscasters. You can email us. Remember, we have a contest to win From Bags to Riches by Jeff Duncan. Email us the sportscasters at gmail.com. The name of the three Saints players that won the Super Bowl. Between now and Friday, we'll pick out one random winner with the correct answer to get a copy of the book from Bags to Riches. You can also find us on Blogspot, the sportscasters.blogspot.com. And don't forget, this week we have baseball bonus show number three with Dan Levy and Jeff Passan. Also, Twitter is a great place to find us. You can find the show at sports underscore casters. You can find me at diversity23. And you can find Don, still searching for a new name, at Garbage Radio Don. Yeah, the ones I've tried have been taken. Dirty. Twitter and its damn popularity. All right, pick four. After 15, well, 14 shows, we are tied. 30 and 27 each, three <laughs> games over 500. That's not that great, considering we pick most of them. But yeah, it could be better. 15 of them are bold, though. Yeah, that's true. We're going to make a run here, I think. Yep. Uh, I went last week went two and two. Just kind of just as a future rule, I did tweet it, but my original Yankees game got rained out. Oh. So I just rolled over to, to the, the next, next day. Okay. Because essentially you would think it'll be the same pitching matchup and stuff like that. Right, right. But in the event of rainouts, as we do this, it'll just be the next day for that team. 
Sounds good. Okay, so eventually the Yankees did beat the Twins 4-3. to I won that, and I also won the Phillies beating the Mets 10-7. to Kind of a crazy game. Yeah. I lost the game of the week. The Yankees lost to the Red Sox 4 to nothing, And Tiger Woods did not miss the cut at the Masters. He actually <laughs> no. finished fourth. He had quite a run at the end there. He did. Uh, Don went 3-1. and one. He won the Sabres beating the Flyers 4-3. to three. He had Detroit beating Chicago 4-3. to three. Finally got a hockey one. He had Boston beating the Yankees 4 to nothing, And he lost just barely. The Blackhawks not making the playoffs if Detroit... Or excuse me, Dallas would have taken care of their business. They would have been right. You would have went four zero. Yeah, and then like the bold predictions always make me feel weird. Like when they're nowhere near close, I feel like okay, that was bold enough. And then when I get close, or if I get it right, I always feel like maybe it wasn't so bold. bold. Yeah, you know, I felt the same way picking one out today. Is this one bold enough? But you know what? I think anytime you're willing to go on the internet and put thirty or forty opinions a week (laughs) out there, you know, I think you can. uh, give or take whether one's bold or not bold enough because it's bold just to come on here and, and give out all these opinions. That's right. Because you're bound to be wrong. But why don't you kick us off with the game of the week? All right, the game of the week is the uh, an old-time rivalry in the NHL. The Canadians at the Bruins on Thursday night. I believe it's at 7 o'clock to kick off the playoffs. Uh, I am going to take the Bruins. I mean, the Canadians have great home ice advantage, but obviously not in this game. I just think the Bruins are too much, too big, too strong. Uh, I don't think the Canadians score consistently enough. Yeah, I'm also going to take the Bruins. I think that Montreal is going to have a real hard time making a Stanley Cup playoff run in the 24-7 media era. It's just there's so much pressure there, especially on the goaltender. And Carey Price has had a really fine season this year. Uh, But I think the playoffs, the pressure is just too much. And I am going to also pick the Bruins. I kind of pulled that... uh, the Canadians don't score enough kind of out of the air. Lowest in the playoffs. That's true. It is yep. the lowest in the playoffs. I mean, they don't give up too much, but Boston gives up less and scores considerably more. So Yeah, uh, Montreal is the least amount of uh, goals scored in the playoffs. Uh, the second, the worldwide leader game. Uh, I'm going to take the Rangers uh, at Washington. That's Wednesday night at 730 versus. I'm going to take Washington. I just think... I think the Rangers are on borrowed time. They they shouldn't be there. They're amazingly at plus thirty five in goal differential. I know a lot of that has to do with uh, sh- shootouts, also, but that's amazing from that team. I mentioned this on the blog. Do you see how the Eastern Conference standings? The playoff teams are all plus, plus goal differential, yeah. and the non playoff teams are all, all minus, minus. Right? Yeah, it's crazy the way that worked out. The number, I mean, if you look just at numbers, the Rangers look like a far better team than Carolina. I think Carolina would have matched up much better in this spot. But the eyeball test, like the Rangers just don't don't pass it for me. I, the, the few games the Sabres have played against them, I, I think Washington has changed its philosophy a little bit. They're going to be a little bit smarter defensively. They're going to be a lot tougher to beat because when you've got a team with that type of offensive firepower that can also play defensive – they're going to be dangerous, and I don't think I don't think uh, Lundqvist can carry them by himself. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I'm glad that the Sabres don't have to play the Capitals in the first round. They scare me. Uh, my worldwide leader pick is the Detroit Red Wings over the Phoenix Coyotes. Game two, Saturday, 1 o'clock on NBC. I think the Coyotes could get a split, but if they're going to, they're probably going to win game one. If they lose game one, I just I don't see them winning game two. And if Detroit loses game one, I don't see them winning game two. So I'm going to pick the Red Wings to win game two. 
It's on NBC Saturday at 1 o'clock. My host choice comes with a stat. Uh, if Lindy Ruff does one thing well, it's get his team ready to play on the road. In the eight series, or in, sorry, in the 10 series that the Sabres have started on the road since he's been the head coach, the Sabres are 8 and 2. Wow. So I'm going to take Buffalo in game one. I'm going to go with the homer pick over Philly on Thursday. All right, my host choice is a baseball game. Bronson Arroyo, one of my favorite baseball players, big Pearl Jam fan, is always at the shows if uh, <laughs> he, he has the time. He's pitching for the Reds against the Pirates. Uh, they're pitching McDonald. It's Friday at 7-10. I'm going to pick the Reds to beat the Phillies. My last, uh, the bold prediction, is also going to my last homer pick for this week. I'm going to say that after three games, so... Every team should have played three games, I believe, by Monday night. Uh, Thomas Vanek will be the highest-scoring player in the playoffs. Okay. Thomas Vanek will be the highest-scoring player in the playoffs when we check in next week. Yes, I guess that would be the case. Right. Okay. All right, my bold prediction is NHL playoff-related as well, and it's that the Los Angeles Kings will have a 2-0 series lead heading back to L.A. Wow. Uh, they are the road team, certainly the underdog in their series against the Sharks. Sometimes it takes the Sharks a, a little bit to realize that they're in the playoffs. <laughs> Sometimes so, <laughs> it takes them on the golf course to realize right. they were in the playoffs. So I'm going to just boldly say that the Kings will take the first two games. And uh, like I said, I wasn't sure if that's bold enough, but I think it is. That's so, pretty bold. Do you, yeah, we'll go with that. Do you see San Jose as any different this year? I mean, or no. do you, they got to prove it to you first. Yeah, thing. absolutely. I mean, because they played pretty well down the stretch, too. They did. And uh, like I said, I, I just think it takes them a bit. I'm not saying the Kings are even going to win the series. Right. Because I could see the, the Sharks bouncing back and getting, winning some games in L.A. I don't think that that's the hardest place to win in the world. Right. Kings are the best think player, that the too. Kings, yeah, without Kopitar. But I just think the Kings are just more apt to – to get a, a good start. And I was looking for something bold. Right. So, I mean, if it didn't happen, it wouldn't shock me. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take that, and I'll say that they'll have a, a 2 nothing series lead. So that's going to wrap us up for today. A great show. Thank you to John Butchergrass. Thank you to Peter Farrell. Thank you to my brother, Greg. We will be back, not in a week, but we will be back after every single Sabres playoff game. Uh, hopefully right. we can post it within an hour of the game. Donnie and I are just going to – Put up a 30-minute or so reaction, uh, just kind of talk about the game, what we saw. So you can check the site every night after the Sabres game, a little Sabres post-game playoff reaction podcast. You can look for that Thursday night and Saturday night. And then we will be back with our regular show on Tuesday night. That's right. All right. Cue the hip. All right.